The Production Expert Podcast is brought to you with the kind support of Autoria, Source Elements, and RSPE Audio Solutions. Welcome to the Production Expert Podcast. I'm Julian Rogers, and in this week's edition, I'm joined by Steve DeMott and Nathaniel Reichman. We're going to be talking about stop plugins in DAWs. Uh, we had a really, really popular post a couple of weeks ago, surprisingly popular actually, about stop plugins, in that case, Pro Tools plugins. And uh, it generated loads of interest and just uh, f- following what people like. Uh, let's talk about that some more. Um, so we have um, a couple of couple of Pro Tools users in the room, but uh, but we've uh, we're specifically going to kind of like reference other DAWs because uh, um, other DAWs of course exist and uh, and are worth talking about. But um, I suppose we should probably start with uh, with just kind of feeling out. Um, uh, stock plug-in use which, and defining exactly what we mean by stock plugins, because that does get slightly complicated, particularly in the case of Pro Tools. But before we get into that, um, uh, Nathaniel, tell me, are you much of a, a stock plugins person? You know, I never thought of myself as a stock plugin user, um, but then when I looked at my mixing template for mixing advertising and TV shows, I saw a lot of stock plugins that I really rely upon. Uh, and I've relied upon for many, many years now. So I, I guess I am. <laughs> but what you kind of take, you don't think, think about, about it that way, right? Okay. It, well, I don't think about it that way because I have a few choice plugins that are not stock, which are really special favorites of mine. But a lot of the nuts and bolts in my TV mixing template have um, avid stock plugins, uh, which I A B'd against third-party. Uh, versions and realized the avid one was the way to go. Sure, you know? and so that's that's why they're they're in my oh, so right it, it wasn't that it's as good as so I may as well stick with stock. But you thinking that in some cases they actually they were preferable. There were I, a couple cases I actually had a had a preference, you know, um, and and not not to get ahead of ourselves here, but you know one of the things um one of the things I've always liked about stock plugins, um, both in Pro Tools and also in Logic. Uh, or, or more than one thing, really, um, they tend to be very efficient because they're coming from the coders who actually worked on the workstation, right? Yeah. So yeah. You, you get you get a, you get a plugin and you can you can put fifty or sixty instantiations of it, and your computer doesn't mind, right? Because it's very efficiently coded. They also tend to be low latency, right? So that's another big plus when it comes to um uh you know especially if you're recording native or if if you do whether or also if you're doing DSP if you're doing Carbon or HDX you're more likely the stock from Avid is is going to have a um uh, is going to have a DSP version, mm. so you can do a low, low latency record. And then the other thing, and this is something that I feel like is really important. Um, these are the ones that are more likely to stay around for the long haul. That's so a very you good open point. up a session. Yeah, <laughs> you open up a session in Logic or Pro Tools, and you know I didn't think about this at the beginning of my career, but but now I have clients of mine who say, "Hey, remember that thing we did back in you know 2007, right?" Yeah, yeah, and and I can grab the session and open it up, and it's not going to be perfect. There's going to be problems, but for the stock plugins, they're going to recall accurately. They're going to sound yeah, right, yeah, and yeah. the automation is going to be just fine. You know, and that's not a reason to use a lesser sounding plugin, but it just gives me peace of mind. Yeah, like, but yeah, but sometimes it work. really doesn't make yeah. a difference which one you choose. It's true, and I mean, it's fascinating going in. And, I mean, there's nothing more frustrating than opening a really old session and just going, "This sounds wrong. I wonder what that EQ was doing," <laughs> and just having to kind of yeah. go, "Well, I suppose yeah. it would have been," but and there's nothing. Well, no, I was about to say there's nothing more interesting than there's loads of things more interesting than this, but it is still interesting. Um, looking at you know something like your EQ moves from like 20 years ago and obviously with the 
you know, retrospective compatibility of something like Pro Tools. If you've been around doing it for long enough, you can do that. And it's it can be it can be quite inspirational and also sometimes a little bit depressing, you know? It's kind of like, you know, either, yeah, nailed it, or what was I thinking? But still... Oh, it can, it can be very depressing. <laughs> why did I use that reverb? Why did everybody why did everybody that year think that reverb was any good? It sounds terrible. Why didn't we notice back then? You know? It's so. very true, very yeah. true. Well, Steve, we should probably bring you in. So, I mean, what, stop plugins. I mean, are you a stop plugins person? You know, um, I use a handful of them because... I mo- most like what Nathaniel just said. Uh, they are my preference in some cases. So yeah, I mean, yeah, um, there's there are just a few of them that just do the job as well as, or in some cases, better than some of the other stuff. And I just I just stick with them. That's I mean, <laughs> nothing wrong with that at all. I'm gonna I'm gonna absolutely put my hand up straight away and say I have. Uh, an embarrassingly large, not uh, embarrassingly large number of equalizers, but I've I've got you know the ones you'd expect to see, and for a utility EQ, I mean everybody loves Fab Filter, for example, and nine times out of ten, to be honest, I've never fully kind of crossed over onto using it, although I've had it for quite a long time, just because I'm so ingrained and so embedded in EQ three, and if I'm just doing just basic EQ moves, it's the familiarity wins out every time, and it's it's actually. It's, it's a thing that keeps pulling me back just because I'm so comfortable in it. And uh, it, it's not a statement of better or worse. It's about familiar, and familiar is good in a lot of these things. Ever wondered what it's like to mix an entire album for Kanye? Or layering vocals for Chris Brown? Join your hosts, Cash and G, every fortnight as we sit down with some of your favourite artists, producers, and engineers to talk everything music. Brought to you by Avid Pro Tools. That sounds great. I think we should probably get specific here. I mean, we should name check some favourites, shouldn't we? I just, I just kind of started the ball rolling there. But uh, let's go back to you, Steve. I mean, come on, favourites. You said you use, you use a handful of them a lot. Which, which particular ones are you thinking of? Okay, so basically EQ threes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I use them uh, especially. I have EQ three seven at the uh, following all of my effects returns, so I can EQ the returns. Mm-hmm. And you know, so that's like you know five, six instances right there. Lo-fi. Yeah, true. L- lo-fi, that's on every snare, most of my kicks, uh, sometimes uh, on a parallel vocal or something like that. Yeah, lo-fi is just great. Now, here's where we get interesting. So um, not knowing the difference <laughs> between what's stock without the subscription, what is, I may venture into, I get these because they're part of, this yeah, this is a thing, and it's it's a little bit opaque. And I did a li- little bit of research before we came on because I thought actually I should I should mug up on this. But uh, yeah, Pro Tools is a particular case just because a stock plugin in Studio One or a stock plugin in Logic or something like that is just a stock plugin. It's not a complicated situation. But in Pro Tools, if you have a current subscription or an up to date um, update plan then you get the Avid Complete Bundle, I believe it's called. I, I, I always I always question right. myself on that. But anyway, and which is like a, pretty much everything Avid do. Right. Um, and 
we tend to think of those as stock plugins, but if your license expires, or if you're uh, an intro user and you don't and you you don't have a subscription anyway, or something like that, the number of plugins that's available to you as a stock plugin in Pro Tools falls significantly. And I was checking a few of them out, and I don't have an exhaustive list, but I was reminding myself of exactly what and what isn't available. And it's things like, I mean, all of those Air plugins, which have been around forever. Mm-hmm. Which possibly aren't aren't the best example, but there's a few that there's a few that are quite good. But there's some that, frankly, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't use voluntarily. <laughs> right. um, we didn't say everything stocks great, but there's some really good stuff in there. For example, you just mentioned di- um, Lo-Fi. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets that. Um, uh, Dverb, which I've certainly said unkind things about in the past, but used on the right thing. Actually, I, you know, I can I can use that. EQ3, obviously. BF76. Uh, is also is also available to everyone. Um, right. I sh- shouldn't go too far into this because I'm bound to get one wrong. But uh, there's a, there's an awful lot of stuff that uh, that is available, but there's even more that isn't, and it's worth. So saying what about right channel again. strip? Is channel that- strip. Channel well, yeah, strip's available to everyone. Yeah, no channel strip. And if I remember my history correctly, when um, Avid bought the um, Euphonics IP. Um, I remember being at the AAS show and Tom Graham was very proud of, of talking about the fact that the channel strip was modeled after the old Euphonics digital processes, right? So that whole that whole plugin was actually the code from the, the Euphonics boards. Okay. And so I, I sort of got excited about that plugin when that first came out and, and used it on everything. And I, I still do use it on everything. In fact, I think I probably have a channel strip on every track and every session. But I, I've come to rely more upon um, uh, the compressor in channel strip uh, because it's really transparent. It has yeah. terrific deep controls. Also for um, kind of light expansion where you don't want to be doing super heavy expansion and you want a kind of high um, uh, high floor. It's just gentle and it reacts quickly. And so I, I keep, you know, I'll, I'll often go and check and say, well, surely there are more sophisticated compressors out there that I should be using in post. And I'll, I'll AB some or download some demos um, and then I, I check it out and say, well, yeah, that's fine, but it's not really doing everything I need it to do. So the channel strip compressor really is my go-to compressor. Mm-hmm. Don't laugh. Yeah. No, I, I'm, no, I'm it's, not laughing. It's, solid. it's it's great. Yeah, and and also then the automation too. Because automation is such a big deal. Plugin automation, snapshot mm-hmm. automation is such a big deal to me. You know, I can rely upon it. Avid coded this; it's not going to screw up. It's going right. to be fine. You know. Well, and the other um, plus with channel strip is if you use clip effects. It's yeah, bas- right. basically it's the, the channel yeah. strip pl- uh, processing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm not as enamored of the EQ uh, in channel strip. Uh, you know, I started using it thinking, great, this has Euphonics tradition, but it's pretty old code. And so it's not, it doesn't sound as good as some of my favorite third party EQs. Mm. Right. You know, the one thing we haven't touched on yet, Julian, which I really mm-hmm. feel very strongly about, and I, I think anybody who's got Pro Tools, it's worth having the subscription or having your, um, your annual support contract to get the Avid Pro. Yes. Uh, Plugins, right? Because Some of my when, the, when those came out, I feel like um, there's this bias against companies with quote unquote stock plugins. They just threw them in there. Well, everything that says Avid Pro is just a totally premium plugin. I the mm. Pro Limiter, uh, yeah, Pro Limiter is my favorite. A, I think you know if you look at you can use limiters in different ways. Like if you need a multi band limiter, then there are a lot of interesting choices out there. Uh, if you need a color limiter, then there are a lot of interesting choices out there. But if you need a solid Single band, zero BS, reliable, mm-hmm. low distortion limiter. That's it. Yeah. You know, and I, I used to use, in my sessions used to have like 30 or 40 
avid pro limiters uh, for mixing a TV show on the different stems. And now my my Atmos sessions have like a hundred pro limiters because I put one on each object output. And um, and I don't have to think about it. I don't have to, I don't even want to even be bothered. If it hits a threshold somewhere, I'm probably not going to notice because it's transparent enough. It's not going to be um, yeah. you know, problematic for me. So I, I really, um, you know, that one. And then while we're riffing on, on pro, um, pro multiband dynamics. Yes. Uh, I really like the way that works, you know, and I've compared it to the competition, the third-party competition in that area is really, really strong, mm-hmm. but it stands up, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. So, it totally does. Pro Subharmonic yeah. is another one that's really good. That's amazing that it's included with Pro Tools. That's a crazy plugin. Yeah. 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 yeah it's really good. And then yeah. the one that I use a lot, which is only Audio Suite, because I love to check things, especially if I'm doing, um, you know, a TV or, or uh, movie mix, is um, Pro Limiter Loudness Analyzer. Mm, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It allows me to just grab a, a gut of yeah. any any you know section and be like, yeah, is that about right? Okay, so there's my you know, and then mix around. So I love that one too. I use it all the time. Actually, so it, just for our listeners here, I want to interrupt you, Steve, just to make everyone clear what Steve is talking about. You can take a section of audio. So if you're if you're bouncing into the box a, a mix, you can make a selection with Pro Limiter Loudness Analyzer. You can find out your LUFS value and your true peak value if any selection of audio in Pro Tools, really, really useful audio suite function to have inside Pro Tools. Yeah, you know? yeah, and I, um, I'll even use it if I get a, uh, for instance, like a docu type thing, I'll just take the first maybe 30 seconds of, of dialogue and just check it to see where they landed with it and be like, yeah. okay, so I'm gonna have to raise everything, you know, 12 dB, or I'm gonna have to cut everything 6 dB, you know, just just to give me an idea what I'm in for. So it's really it's really a, a, a utility kind of tool. Mm. It's, yeah. it's, it's overlooked by a lot of people, but there are two things that are kind of at the top, you know, favorited at the top of my audio suite list. And they're the, uh, the Pro Limiter Loudness Analyzer, and they're um, like RX Deplosive. And it's just kind of like you can probably see when you do stuff like like podcasting, <laughs> why those yeah. are like, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to <Yeah>. need them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, similar. Mine is that one, uh, RX uh, Connect and and uh, Dialog Isolate. So it's like, yeah, you yeah, know, no, those are the enough. three up there on the audio suite menu. It's, it, you know, Steve, I'm glad you like Dialog Isolate. I, I always get in trouble when I try to use that because I feel like there's no, there's no difference when I jump from nothing to way overcooked, I can very rarely put the needle the, the needle in the middle. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. uh, there, there is an art to making it subtle. Yeah, uh, I haven't I, found that art yet, so I stopped you, using it. <laughs> you just have to keep banging on it until you find that spot. But yeah, it takes some doing because it's really easy to overcook, and it sounds terrible when you overcook. Achoria has a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps, and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, includes Delay Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects, called the AudioFuse Creative Suite, is included with all AudioFuse audio interfaces. Visit achoria.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use. You know, now we're touching on RX here, which is a third-party solution. And I, I will say, bringing it back to the topic of this podcast, I was working with a music editor last week, and um, uh, she had a particular issue with an audio file that had some clicks in it. And she was working on a system with mainly stock plugins. And I was quite surprised to find out, just kind of searching through, you know, Avid Pro Tools Ultimate 
stock plugins. In terms of noise reduction, there aren't great noise reduction tools in the stock category for Pro Tools. I think that's no. a real, and I, I understand why they're complicated, they're expensive, and and the third party, the third parties really have that market uh, taken. But I think that's a it's an interesting area that uh, could be explored by Avid if they ever wanted to. Mm. Yeah, it's, even something simple like a um, yeah. a Cedar style, you know, multi band banded gate kind of thing. It's yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, you know yeah. that that should at least be part of a stock. So obviously, you know, you're hearing this from two people that work on posts. So they were like, we need our noise reduction. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the things I was wondering was, I mean, strip away all of your third-party options. And uh, is what are, the, what are the roadblocks to be able to complete the work that you do? It sounds like we've hit, we've hit on a big one is noise reduction. Yeah, I, mean, I think actually the two, the two that really stand out for me, and I wouldn't mind if you just sat me down. And actually, to be perfectly honest – Having done some, you know, corporate advertising work, if you go to one of these big ad agencies or, or, or big organizations that have, you know, you know, fifty different workstations that are doing animation and visual effects and video editing, right? They never buy third-party plugins. Their Pro Tools rigs are all stock. Mm. They, yep. they, they bought Pro Tools. They installed it. You use it. That's how you use it. Um, and so I've been in those situations where you, you're you're on a rig expected to produce, you know, pro work for a client behind you. Um, and I think the two areas that really stress me out are, are noise reduction and reverb. Yeah, I was going to say right. the same I thought too. reverb would come up. Yeah. 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 Now, you know, Revibe, now I don't want to diss this because I actually wrote this down in my notes. You know, Revibe 2 is a, is a great post-production reverb. That's a great plugin. Uh, reverb 1 is showing its age. It does sound, you know, really old to me and it sounds, it doesn't sound great. But Revibe 2 is terrific. The problem, Revibe 2, at least to my ears, uh, excels in, in post in places where, for instance, if you don't have altiverb, uh, you know, audio use, audio use altiverb, you might get away with Revive 2 really well. Where it fails for me is that it's not as musical as some of our third-party yeah. uh, uh, reverbs. And so I think that's a, that's an area. And then, you know, there are some, not to, not to diss anybody's good work, but it's old work, you know, a plug-in like Space, uh, uh, it doesn't automate well, it's a little buggy, Mm -hmm. I think Avid should maybe retire that one from the list. <laughs> well, I mean, retiring plugins is, is is an interesting one just because, I mean, a lot of what the article that inspired this podcast was about was it was about plugins which are 20 years old, which still yeah. work fine. And, I mean, you can't say that all plugins that are 20 years old, I mean, you know, different areas progress at different rates and something like noise reduction, for example, there's been huge progress in the last few years but something like software compression well you know you could argue perhaps not as much um i'm wondering if yeah, and, and single band limiting i haven't heard a better single band limiter in 15 years yeah yeah. And yeah. and absolutely, I mean, like I say, um, uh, different technologies move at different speeds. Um, I want to I want to kind of spread out from Pro Tools a little, maybe, and we'll sort of look more widely to other DAWs. And I mean, something that uh, I've got, excuse the pun, a stock answer to is uh, if you're talking about uh, plugins that are available in other DAWs, that's you know, the stock stuff isn't usually available to other DAWs. It's not like it's something that you can use elsewhere. Anything that kind of makes you think, oh, I wish I had that in Pro Tools because, you know. Oh, yeah. I have, yeah, I had huge FOMO the year <laughs> that Logic, um, the year that Logic came out with that enormous set of super high quality stock plugins. I'm trying to remember what year it was. It was a number of years ago. It was version um, seven. It was back in the white dongle days. Um, I mean, you're right. Yeah. So they came out, I was working with a composer and they came out with all these fabulous plugins that were bundled with Logic. And each one of them 
was groovy and super cool and sounded great. Uh, I actually have a clear memory. About a year later, there was a great Missy Elliott album that came out, and I could hear those plugins on every track. <laughs> it was really obvious. Like, <laughs> a, oh, this is a very cool album. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah this is an all logic album for Missy Elliott. You know, but that was that. That for that for me was where I, I actually had set up occasionally, you know, loop throughs for logic. So I would take a track and loop it out to logic and back because it had something, you know, logic had something super cool in there that I did not have in Pro Tools, mm. you know. Mm. So. Steve, I mean, what uh, are your thoughts? Well, so I, my second DAW for the longest time has always been a uh, digital performer. And uh, there, are, for instance, when um, I want to say it was right around version six, they came out with Proverb. I don't which know was the, which was their uh, basically um, IR based reverb stock plugin, and it sounded. I mean, it, it put deverb to shame. Uh, it sounded so natural, so good. Uh, I, I loved it as well, a no, reverb. No, it was an IR verb though, so it wasn't a. It wasn't a. Um, it wasn't algorithmic. Yeah, it wasn't an algorithmic. Okay, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, but it you know for a stock plugin, you, you could use it, and you would actually choose it over other things because not only was it um really good sounding it was um going back to nathaniel's point coded by mo2 themselves so it was really efficient and and just worked well i'm just the, looking it up here and yeah i'm in a convolution reverb the the interface is funny just because there was a period a few years ago when there was some quite wacky interface yeah. design and this is kind of got a f one foot in there but if you if what I'm kind of thinking of is like Ultrabeat. Remember how disorientate, disorientating yeah. that was? Um, it, yeah. it looked but impressive, you, and then you tried to use it, and went, I can't see what I'm doing here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the other set, they came out around the same time, was the whole Masterworks plugins, which mm. were uh, sort of analog modeled, um, you know, um, bread and butter type things. There's Masterworks Compressor, Masterworks EQ. Mm. Uh, and they sounded great, and you know, to this day, in 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 my DP sessions, you know, the, that's ninety percent of the processing. Wow. Okay. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do two actually that comes immediately to mind. I've mentioned these before actually, but um, a big one is uh, um, the the stock EQ in Studio One is the most capable one I've ever seen. I haven't really used it because I don't really use Studio One. So I haven't used it in anger on anything that's... But just looking at the facilities on offer, and yeah, yeah, absolutely amazing. It, it just does everything. And every every metering, it's does... Um, I always get this wrong, whether or not it's a sonogram or a sonograph. One's ultrasound of kind of like um, uh, pregnancies and the other one's uh, um, like a heat map of audio across frequencies and I can never remember which is which. But it does that as well as your spectrum analysis and, and every filter type you could, you could want in a stock plug-in. Absolutely great. But the other one that I'm going to mention is the is the compressor in Logic, which when that came out, apart from apart from the interface being uh, frankly a little large, I have to say, um, it was uh, um, the thing that really struck me about it was uh, I mean it's it sounds great and it's all the different modes are, are nicely convincingly different enough and very you know different enough to be individually useful. But um, the main thing was. It really struck me how fantastic the meter ballistics were for the for the VU meter. Um, it goes back to an experience I had. I hadn't really been around the moving coil VU meter for what felt like too long, and I was sitting in a friend's studio, and he'd got one of the old uh, Folkstrike ISAs, and I was just running some running some vocal through it, and it was just just 
touching the compressor and it was just wobbling a little bit and it was such as kind of useful visual feedback and at the time if you remember lots of plugins a few years ago let's talk about the the bomb factory stuff the bomb factory la2a with its uh, or the bf76 or something like that and mm-hmm. it had it had a little animated vu meter but it was yeah the ballistics were a long way from useful and um, it was it was just kind of there to fill some space in the UI, to be honest. It gave you an idea of what it was doing, but you didn't get that really kind of useful, um, smoothing kind of, well, ballistic, effectively. And, yeah, I love that. Absolutely love it. Wish it was available um, outside of Logic, because while I love it, I don't love it enough to use Logic. I'm just, I'm never going to get there with Logic, unfortunately. There, I said it. <laughs> well, logic, logic has its place. You know, the composers that I work with, uh, it's a fantastic tool for composers and songwriters, you know. But we've we've really worked hard on that transition from you know taking good, almost finished work in Logic and moving it to Pro Tools to actually finish it, you know. And mm-hmm. so it's a, it's all. I always think it's apples and oranges and not really a competition. Oh, you know? this this isn't a, this isn't um, any issue with the with the product. It's an issue with me and actually making the effort to to learn something properly because it's different. And obviously, <laughs> I, I hate that on principle because it's not Pro Tools and I'm very used to Pro Tools. But this, yeah, right, it's, it's right. inertia. We all have DAW inertia. The Production Expert Podcast is made possible using Source Connect Now from Source Elements, the free way to record high-quality audio over the internet. Need to record an interview or a podcast like this one remotely? With Source Connect Now, you can. Using a Chrome browser, you'll get ISDN-equivalent quality audio without the need to install any additional software. Register for your free account at now.source-elements.com. Well, now back to, back to the ballistics that you're talking about, Julian. This is one of the things I think um, Yukon is doing really, really well right now, which is if you have an S1 or S3 or Avid Control or any of the S series, you get a lot of really high-speed graphic feedback of how much compression is going on. Mm-hmm. You know, the little, yeah. the little downward meters that are showing yes. how much compression is going on on a chain of plugins and. And uh, the Avid Control is it Avid Control Desktop? I think I even yes. have this running. I have to get yeah. this. I have to get this this right. Yeah, Avid Control Desktop is this um, is this great app that not many people are using. But when you open it up, you realize how useful it is because it'll give you a, a bank of really useful meters in the bottom of your screen while you're mixing. You know. So, yeah. I've yeah. ignored that, and you just inspired. I'm gonna I'm gonna open that up again because I. When yes, it came great. out, I installed it and went, yeah, whatever, and just kind of moved on. But uh, yeah, maybe it's worth. No, I had the same to. feeling, and then and I was I was mixing something, and I I needed to stop looking at the edit window and Pro Tools and just focus on the speakers. But I also needed to be able to see my auto match arrows while I was mixing, uh, and and kind of see what was happening on different buses, and that that really solved it for me. I could put that on on the full screen or the bottom half of my main screen. And uh, and it gave me a lot of great visual feedback. I mean, this is you know this is a replacement. This is a uh, this is a poor man's S four S six really is what I'm talking about. Okay, so I mean we've talked about stock and what isn't stock and some things that are kind of stock as long as you pay for your subscription or update plan or whatever. But I, I talking to people, it kind of get the impression that there are some kind of things that in, to different people they kind of anticipate seeing on and anticipate being acceptable when you're sharing a sharing a um a session between users of kind of like hey you've got that right um the only problem with that is that exactly which plugins it is varies depending on who you ask so uh, yeah. having a variety of people here let's do that um steve <laughs> steve what do you what do you think i mean are there any kind of things that you regard as being kind of like a bit of a safe bet that hey if i leave this in whoever i'm sharing this with is going to have that 
You know, there are two that I consider have been around for so long that everyone should have them, and that's compressor bank and filter bank. Interesting. Okay. They've certainly been around a long time. Um, and these are things that you, you use regularly? If so, why? Uh, I love them. So compressor bank is probably my default channel compressor. Uh, I, I think unless there's a reason for me to pick something else that's maybe a little bit grungier or has more color or something, it's the one I start with. And um, filter bank is just one of those EQs that it, you know, it it sounds great. It's 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 never not a good choice, and <laughs> often, you know, a great choice for the track that you're working on. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, Even so, though I have moved from it recently as my default EQ, I've been I just fell in love with the Kirchhoff. Oh, okay. Interesting. About compressor bank, you know, what is um, really the utility that I love about it is the bite control. And if okay, you explain that to us. If you haven't tried it, here's what it does. The bite control, as you turn it up, allows a little more of the transient through before the compressor kicks in. So regardless, you could have a really quick attack time. Say you have an attack time of three milliseconds. Mm -hmm. And then you start bringing that bite control up. It will let little bits of, of the transient through and what it seems to do to my ears the farther the farther you bring the bite control up the lower in frequency that uh it allows that de transient detection to trigger oh uh, so it's you know. more than just kind of like a sort of compressor pre-delay for want of a better word oh yes M much more it's, okay. it's actually looking at transients and letting them through and it and i it to my ears, as you turn it up it allows transients uh in lower frequency through as you keep cranking it. I find the sweet spots right around like two or three and it's, it's perfect. It okay. Just, I suppose as you enough. lengthen it, wow. it would, it would let lower stuff through because it's yeah. got a longer wavelength anyway. So it's, I, I exactly. don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, it sounds, it sounds very useful and it's not something I've tried myself. Brilliant. Well, it's something where you can really, you know, if you're really compressing something, but you need it to like, especially with, when you get tracks that were recorded at home you get vocals that are like all over the place right mm. so you got to squeeze you got to squeeze them hard but then you, you, they get lifeless so this kind of adds some energy back into everything S same question Nathaniel we're talking you know, those nearly stock plugins anything anything come to mind from your from your work yeah you know I, I I feel very much like the um the waves bundle you know having platinum or gold is is nearly stock they've been around forever they're in a lot of people's templates uh, Waves is getting more useful uh, these days with some more recent plugins, and so I feel like those are in the quote unquote almost stock area. And then uh, for a long time, I also felt the same way about AudioEase, where having AltaVerb and Speakerphone mm. uh, were were really useful. And you know, so I I have an expectation if I send somebody a post session that they're they're going to have AltaVerb and they'll be up to date on all the, all the IRs, so they can load up my AltaVerbs as as needed. You know. Now back to um what Steve was saying with uh, with McDSP and I love the McDSP stuff but um what I wish was almost stock was uh, DMG audio I, I really think the world of their plugins and and that's always where I get tripped up when I send somebody a session because you know they're not um, they're not anywhere near as common in the marketplace as as Waves or as FabFilter uh, but I think they're um, often superior so I, I, I wish that was I wish that was more uh, more in the market. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so, well, that is uh, an interesting discussion, but uh, time is ticking, so we should probably move along to Find of the Week. RSPE Audio Solutions design, sell, and install professional audio and video equipment. Their team are available by phone, live chat, or email to receive and process orders. They have everything you need to build or upgrade your home studio to ensure you can continue to work from home. If there is anything they can do to help, Reach out or shop online at rspeaudio.com. Okay, so Steve, what's your find of the week? So my find of the week is the um, Great River Electronics Harrison 32EQ. It's a 500 series module. We we recently got two of them at the studio and popped them into our one of our sidecars and uh, was playing around with it. It is a really musical and and very sweet sounding EQ. Wait, your your find of the week is hardware, Steve? Yeah, isn't that weird? Wow, it's, it's not even this software is, or something. This is a retro podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know the hardware, but I I know the um uh, there's a Harrison Channel strip. There's two actually, um, quite old ones that Universal Audio have done, and I I used those a long time ago checking them out. And it, this one's the same as it's got just kind of like the two knob thing with the clever Q control. Um, I forget the word they use to describe it, but with the variable Q with gain and all of that stuff. Is that how it works? From um, what I gather, um, Great River and Harrison kind of collaborated on creating their EQ module. It is um, like three, it's it's got low and high shelf and then um, three middle bands. And it's a very, very musical functional EQ. Great to have on a front end if you're, if you're tracking. Um, yes, yeah, so you're, you're looking at six bands total. Okay. Yeah. No, checking it out. No, and it looks it looks like a solid little thing. I mean, I I am a fan of a hardware EQ. I don't have very much hardware anymore. None of it's plugged in. But I am reluctant to ditch my 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 EQ. Which uh, well, if I'm you're tracking a lot, you 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 need at least a good preamp, a good EQ, and a good compressor. You know, it's in hardware. Mm. I think. I think because I just think um, it makes all the difference in digital to to have some hardware up front. Which, I was just about to make a joke that it doesn't have Yukon support, so I'm not going to use it. <laughs> but, um, but, but Steve, you're, you're absolutely right, because uh, in a tracking situation, having a really great path, right, before you get in the box, and I could see that being a really, uh, you know, uh, being a terrific thing to have in the path after the pre. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Very musical, too. It's, it's, it's definitely not a problem solver EQ it, to kind of categorize it really wide cues on these things and um but really you know uh smooth and very musical sounding like like almost pretty sounding that just adds those huge gentle curves that just make things sound really really pleasing awesome okay um nathaniel what's yours so my find of the week is is a book actually but it's a book that I think has a lot to say to the creative community for people who are, you know, songwriters or or, or writers or you know anybody who works in the arts. Um, Corey Doctorow is on a book tour right now, supporting a book he wrote called Choke Point Capitalism. Full disclosure: I haven't finished reading the book yet. I just started, but I heard him talking about it, and um, he talks about some interesting economic concepts which have a you know, uh, having to do with uh, the effect and the market that uh, Spotify or Apple Music may have or that Audible has. 
And he talks about monopoly versus monopsony. Um, and uh, it looks like a fascinating book. And I'm, I'm expecting to learn a lot about our industry reading this book. Oh, so. Awesome. Nice. Sounds very yeah. interesting indeed. Uh, mine's uh, a thing that um, we we ran a post about on the site this week. It's about Adobe Podcast, which is... Um, oh, my uh, God. It strikes me as something that's, <laughs> that's taken off, that's picked up where Descript's was going and seemed to have done it uh, differently. And to my eyes, it looks like it's doing it a bit better. And I think it's a really interesting development. Um, just seeing the results people were getting from it, very surprising indeed. And uh, I don't know where this is all going, but this looks like a very significant product. So, uh, yeah. Oh, it's huge. I'm already it's, using it. I, I use it as a wet-dry occasionally when I run into trouble. I rarely ever use it by itself. But it's, it's miles better than Descript. Uh, yeah. And often it does something that other plugins like Clarity uh, can't touch, and so it's it's very unusual. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, I was I was I was very impressed by the examples that were, that we ran in Mike's post this week, and uh, yeah, it got my full attention. And it's not a plugin, by the way. Sorry to interrupt you, but it's not a plugin. I apologize for for, for that. It's, it's an offline process. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. And and yeah. you're talking about the. Um, uh, the audio sweetening tool that's uh, that's available, but of course, there's also the whole business of being able to edit podcasts as text, and that's something that I haven't tried. I knew it was possible. Um, I'm quite ingrained in my podcast process, which works, but it is fundamentally it's a real time thing. <laughs> and while I mean, the the thing that worries me about it is that it encourages people to uh, to publish something that they haven't listened to. And that, I think, is a huge, huge mm. danger. You have to, at some point, listen to something. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Because that's never bit anybody in the ass. Yeah, well, exactly, <laughs> right? exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's like my story about when I used to teach, collecting in assignments and, and handing in people handing in a pile of CDs, and I'd hold up this pile of CDs to them and say, who's given me the blank one? Because, uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, anyway, uh, story. Anyway, so that's all we've got time for this week. Thank you to my guest, Steve Nathaniel. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Production Expert podcast. <laughs> <laughs>